Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. All right, welcome to our championship national title review. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. My name is Jason Randazza. With me, as always, my co-host Mark Catlin. Every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain everything I don't understand, which this week is the college football world. Um... (laughs) I'm not going to have you process anything, Mark, but uh, how are you? How are you after Monday night? Uh, Monday night, I wasn't great, to be honest. Uh, But, yeah, I'm I'm doing fine now. Although I do have people constantly asking me if I'm okay still. (laughs) Really? See, then you Uh, must be friends with people who legitimately care about you most people i know were just like hey jason did you see that game last night well i mean when they ask if i'm okay they really want me to say no but they're just they just uh, want to laugh at me they want to watch me yeah. try to writhe in pain as i recount but you know that it's it's the pretending like we care about you but we really sure. don't and we're sure. so happy that alabama got what they got on monday night so yeah. Uh, you know, but so suffering this loss has just made us cynical. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think about halfway through the day Tuesday, I just started laughing about the whole thing because yeah. it's completely absurd. Therapeutic, but sure. Something like that. I don't know. Or yeah, denial. Maybe I've just gone crazy. Who knows? All right. So let's just get started with some college football news. Why don't we do that here at the top of the show? Let's do that. All right. So uh, there is actually a little bit of news. There's actually more coaching carousel news. So we did mention last week that Neil Brown is going to West Virginia. Um, We also talked a little bit about how Cliff Kingsbury was maybe being interviewed by NFL teams, but uh, USC was maybe preventing him from doing that. It turns out uh, either they at no point were – refusing to let him interview with the NFL or they just changed their minds but he is actually leaving USC after coaching zero games there and apparently he's going to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals um, this is actually kind of interesting because at one point uh, towards the beginning of the season he made a comment about how if he had the chance he would take Kyler Murray as the first pick in the draft if he had that chance. And now, uh, despite all odds, he actually has that chance. The Cardinals are going to be the first pick in the draft, and Kyler Murray is probably going to be going out for it. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he was actually serious. Um, and then you and I were talking about this. Uh, the season's officially over, and now Jalen has entered the transfer portal. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is like a quantum leap reference or something. <laughs> you just Nobody's seen him. He's in the transfer portal. He's in the transfer yeah. portal. <laughs> Until they just find out where he appears next. 
Uh, so, some did you, tools did are you just rumored. say Quantum Leap, by the way? Yeah. I'd, That's fantastic. Maybe, like, it's a deep like, cut. Like that uh, main character, I don't even remember his name, but he'll appear Sam? Just like, he'll just like appear in a, in a different world and have to figure out where he is. Be like, oh, wow, okay. I ended, right. I ended up at Florida State. Let's do this. <laughs> but under Bobby Bowden, he has to go back <laughs> right. in time yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. Um, then other uh, college football news: um, Tim Tebow got engaged. Wait, is that real life? I didn't even know. Oh that. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mere minutes before we hit the record button, this groundbreaking, earth-shattering news uh, hit the airwaves, and uh, you heard it here first. I wonder if when he hit a, hit a knee, he tebowed for a second before he popped out the ring. You know, just one good hope. <laughs> That's um, terrible. You know, I got to be honest with the Tim Tebow stuff. I'm really digging for news because I, I don't want to. I don't want to start this review. Yeah, you're but, just um, delaying the inevitable. <laughs> just delaying. It. Uh, I surged. I surged, but I only have those three updates. So why don't we do this? Sure. Oh, National I mean, there, title. There, there are other more positive updates. I don't know. Like Raekwon Davis is coming back. He's not going to the NFL. Trayvon Diggs is coming back. He's not going to the NFL. Things like that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that could cheer you up so much. Uh, I no, I can't okay. be cheered up. I'm dead inside. That's um, <laughs> so, so let's talk National Title Review. Uh, yeah. Let's All right. So uh, I'm just going to intro the game here and I'm going to vent for a little bit so mm-hmm. you just stay put so this right. was number one ranked Alabama a five and a half point favorite over number two ranked Clemson now to avoid any suspense here just in case our listeners who are listening to a college football podcast are not aware of how this game ended I'm going to tell you Alabama did not win <laughs> The final score here was 44 to 16 Clemson. So just a few. So I actually, I got, I sent you a picture, but I got some stuff for this game to make Alabama slammers, uh, which are palatable, if not altogether pleasant concoctions to drink. Um, but before the game, I was considering how I could make like drinking these shots into some sort of drinking game. And my thinking was, uh, I didn't want to drink too many, but I wanted to drink some. And so I was thinking, okay, maybe we would drink one every time Alabama scored an unanswered touchdown. Uh, But I actually didn't put any stipulations on when we consume these shots. And it's actually a lucky thing, too, because if we had consumed them on unanswered Alabama touchdowns, I would have been totally sober, which was no way to watch this game. Um, On the other hand, if I were a Clemson fan, I would have ended up in the hospital, like, sucking on charcoal. Um, So, I just... This this result was really... Like, it's shocking. I mean, it's shocking. Uh... And there's really not a whole lot for Alabama fans to like take solace in with this blow blowout loss. And but and this is really this is me venting. Personally, what I hate most about this is that this was a bigger blowout 
than the infamous Alabama blowout of Notre Dame in the 2013 national title game. And for people who listen to this podcast regularly, you know that the smugness of that blowout fuels basically 90% of my bluster. I, I don't even know what to think anymore. This is also worse because Alabama was actually favored in this game by five and a half, meaning that Clemson beat the spread by 34 and a half points. And this is this is a title game. There's supposed to be some sort of parody here, and there just wasn't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got a lot more to say. Well, I keep uh, saying it, Jason. This is, all right, this all right. So mo- this is your moment, uh, man. All right. So before we get into like the nitty gritty of this game, I, I'm just gonna like I'm I'm gonna like kind of broad strokes here. Yeah. You know, strokes. after the first quarter. Everybody's making jokes about how this looked like a Big 12 game because Clemson scored, Alabama scored. Clemson scored, Alabama scored. Alabama misses an extra point. Classic Alabama. Unfortunately, after the first quarter, Clemson adapted and Alabama only talked about it. Alabama scores like 42 seconds into the second quarter and then never again. And Clemson scores after that... Four more touchdowns and a field goal, which brings the score to that crazy 44-16. And just to put this into context, just some storyline points here. This is the worst loss that Alabama, I'm sorry, that Nick Saban has suffered in his entire tenure as as Alabama's coach. But this is also the worst loss that Alabama as a team has suffered since 1998, 10 years before he even got there. Oh my god. So this this was so Clemson wins the national title. This is their third national title. This is the second under Dabo Sweeney. Nick Saban did not have two national titles to his name before he turned fifty. Um, so he's uh, he's in rarefied air there, and he's got a lot of time ahead of him. Um, you know, I think fortunately for us as Alabama fans, we just know that once Nick Saban retires, Nick Dabo Sweeney is going to come to Alabama. So. Um, really, this is a win for us, I think. <laughs> um, let's see, what else? Oh, <laughs> another thing that was crazy about the Alabama went, went for it on fourth down six times. That is not the move of a team who feels like they're in control of the game. Of course, fake field goals, also not the move of a team in that situation. Um... <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know what else to say. One of the big narratives coming out of this uh, that I want you to talk about is that Nick Saban, perhaps the greatest coach of all time, uh, definitely the greatest coach currently coaching, uh, Nick Saban got outcoached in this matchup. So uh, tell me your thoughts on this. Because it, re- it really seemed to be true. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if you were to ask, you know, I mean, just to affirm what you're saying, yeah, I mean, it's... It is shocking, I think, to everybody. Not that Clemson won. I think most people thought Clemson had a chance. Some people picked him to win. But everybody thought it would be a close game. If there were this sort of blowout one way or the other, I think most people would have said it was Alabama. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Alabama, before Saban got there, hasn't lost by this margin. right? They haven't lost by this margin in 20 years, like you said. Uh, and that, in, like, that includes like the Mike Shula era. Uh, of Alabama football in the early 2000s and all that stuff when we just weren't very good when we went uh, three and eight after being preseason number three and we go three and eight that didn't include a 28 point loss um, and so it's it is very shocking 
um, how by how much Alabama lost. Not that that they lost, but by how much. And if you were to look for a reason why Alabama lost the way that they did, I think the most foundational answer, there's not a single answer, it's a compilation of a lot of things, but the most foundational one is yes, uh, Nick Saban got outcoached uh, very profoundly. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of, I was thinking going to the half, man, we are, we are getting out coached. Tua looks confused. Our defense looks confused. And that means that they haven't, that they're seeing things that, that they haven't seen before that they're not prepared for. Uh, they're not getting the calls in on time or something, but there's a bunch of communicating going on, you know, from Mac Wilson, the rest of the defense while, Clemson is snapping the ball. We're, they're still talking about what defense they're going to get set on and who's got who and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just exposed. You saw wide receivers running free behind the defense. On third and 14, we rushed three guys. We dropped eight in pass coverage. And even though we got eight guys covering receivers, there's still one that gets completely behind the defense for a long gain on third and 14. It's like, whoa, that's a busted coverage, but even if it's a busted coverage, how does that guy get behind the defense when you got eight guys in coverage on third and 14? So there's just things like that and leading into it. Going into the half, I was like, man, it looks like we're getting outcoached. And then Saban on national television says this. He gets asked the question, so, uh, you know, coach, what do you need to do to adjust in the second half? And he says, well, you know, Clemson's throwing some things at us that we that we didn't practice for. Now, if that statement in and of itself, that's going to happen in any in any game. Somebody's going to throw something at you that you haven't seen, either at all or from that team. But then he added the statement, we hadn't practiced for it, and these are things that are copycat things, is what he says. Now, I don't think in the in the at the halftime thing he specified, but in the post game he said. They ran some things that Oklahoma did that were also successful against us. Now, when you combine those things together, this is basically a, a, a running away from Nick Saban's philosophy, the process, all, all that stuff, which mm -hmm. is here are the mistakes that we made that were exposed in a game. After that game, typically what we would do is we would practice to see to make up for those mistakes. We would say, hey, here are the mistakes that we made, and this is what they did in order to confuse us and where we had a busted coverage or we didn't fill a gap or whatever it is. And that's why they got this long run. And Kyler Murray did that a lot or a long throw or whatever it is. But then you would look at the tape of that and then you would practice how to cover that, how to not make the same mistake again. That is the process because you're not focused on what your opponent could do. You're focused on the mistakes that you made and getting better yourself. That's the whole point of the process. That's why we're called process in college football. And so mm -hmm. at halftime and in the postgame, Nick Saban basically said, I didn't coach my guys. There were mistakes that we made just a week and a half ago, and we just didn't practice for that same thing. And it's like, okay, so you abandon your coaching philosophy. Not only that, what do you think Dabo and his staff are doing? They're going to look at all the tape and look at how you're exposed, especially most recently, because it's going to be the hardest to make up for that short time span to cover up for that mistake. Say, hey, Oklahoma ran this. We might as well try it to see if they've been able to cover up for it. Not only were they not able to, to make up for those mistakes and and uh, coach them to where they're not mistakes, but the, uh, they can cover that or they can block that or they can do whatever, but they didn't even try to, Jason. 
And so <laughs> that's why you had wide receivers running down downfield, not covered. And so to me, it was like, wow, you just admitted on national television that you were being completely outcoached. But you also admitted it wasn't that hard to outcoach you. You just didn't do what you always do. You didn't stay true to your mantra. You didn't stay true to the process. You didn't stay true to the philosophy. And so at that point, I was like, wow, that's very fascinating. You just admitted that you're being completely outcoached. Now, I mean, the other thing that everybody in the world has pointed out is... Wait, hang on, hang on. Before we move on from that, because, uh, like, I do have have questions. Like... That makes zero sense to me, like, because Nick Saban's whole thing is, you know, you basically, like, you you basically prepare to the point where, and and we've said this before, it's like you practice until, not until you get something right, it's until you can't Can't get get something wrong. wrong. So so that's his whole thing. So part of me is wondering, especially since he's, like, a defense guy and Alabama seemed to lack... I don't know any proficiency on defense in this game. Like what was he did he just get complacent because of how explosive the offense has been? Like like what do you attribute this I don't know complete blind spot to? Jason, I, I mean it, I, I I don't I don't know about the why or or why he didn't practice it, but he said they didn't practice it, right? It, exactly what you just said for all my meandering, the in the conversation, that, that summary that we've referred to before of you don't practice till you get right, you practice till you can't get it wrong. Well, that's what I'm saying. There were mistakes that were made in the Oklahoma game, and instead of coming back and practicing until you get it right one time, they didn't do the whole thing where you practice till you can't get it wrong. And so what did they do? They got it wrong in the Clemson game. Why that's the case, I have no idea. I mean, Tosh Lupoy is the defensive coordinator He's a young guy. It's his first year being a defensive coordinator. Anywhere. So he's on the biggest stage he's ever been on, highest position he's ever been in. That's part of that. We have a lot of youth on the defense, especially in the secondary, etc. But that would mean to me that most likely Saban works directly. Well, this is somewhat unrelated to that, but he oh, Saban always works directly with the defensive backs. Always. Like in every practice, you'll see Saban working with the defensive backs. That's like his specialty. Especially because of the fact you have Tosh Lupoy there, who's a younger defensive coordinator, you would assume that Saban's going to be even more hands-on in the coaching of the defense, and especially the defensive backs. So then in, you add that to the mix, and Saban basically says, the unit that I am most responsible for, I just, I, I, we didn't do what I have always done and said that I'm going to do. I completely failed in my own process. That That's what he said. Because he specifically noted... In the defensive, on the defensive side of the ball, that they ran some stuff, and then in the post game, he said they were running some bunch receivers, where you know you stack two or three receivers together, and he said that gave us problems against Oklahoma, it gave us problems here, and we did not practice against it. Nick, why not? Because you know who else has done that successfully against you, Auburn, and you play them every year. Are you? Is this why we struggle against Auburn every year and what Malzahn does? Because they stack a few receivers together and you just decide not to practice? I mean, the most mind-boggling thing, given who Saban is, what his process is, the way that he coaches his players normally, who he specifically uh, coaches for, not only the defense, but within that, the DBs, and then to say, we just didn't practice this. Well, no wonder they scored 31 points, man. 
<laughs> Clemson's a really, really good football team. So they're going to exploit that. They're going to see what people have done that has been successful. They're going to run it, and guess what? They're going to run it better than they did. So if it worked with this other team, it's going to work with them. I mean, that was the most mind-boggling thing. The, the preparation side of things is where Nick Saban usually wins. And when you look back the last time Alabama gave, 30, gave up 31 points in the first half, it's uh, it was against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, 2014. And guess what? Guess why we gave up 31 points in the first half? Because Bob Stoops completely outcoached Saban in preparation. Bob Stoops didn't say what quarterback he was going to start, didn't know how the offense was going to look, and our defense looked completely inept. Now, at halftime, they made some adjustments. Still lost by 14 points, but they made some adjustments, and the offense was close. That's not 28. No, it's not 28. Uh, but that Oklahoma team wasn't this Clemson team. But that's what happened. <laughs> Just completely outprepared. But the difference in this game, the reason it was 28-14, one, I think this Clemson team is better than that Oklahoma team. But two, it was not just coaching and preparation, but it was coaching in the game was terrible. I mean, there were some key points where decisions were made that were some of the worst that I've ever seen in college football, not just by Saban, but in college football. And this is where it gets even more kind of laughable to me is we are talking about the greatest, the guy who will go down when he's done as, as the greatest coach of all time in college football. Unless Dabo wins the next 10 in a row, <laughs> and which seems like it's possible. Yeah, it could be possible. <laughs> but he's, I he's, mean, five of those will be at Alabama. That's <laughs> true. Uh, I mean, at this point, if, that, if I'm Dabo, I'm like, oh, I'm staying in Clemson. But yeah, the, forever. The thing is that, you know, let's say that Dabo runs all those 10, so Saban's going to be the second greatest coach of all time. We're watching the, one of the best coaches of all time make the worst decisions that I've ever seen. And the one that everybody brings up is the fake field goal. And it really mm-hmm. is the the worst decision I've ever seen in a game. To to decide that you're going it, to do a, a fake field Nick Saban goal coach game in in any game just, that I've ever seen. What? And and here's the thing. Wait, no, no, no. Georgia just did this a few weeks ago with like 11 yards to go. And that was not as terrible as this. Okay. You're going to have to tell me why. Uh, for a bunch of reasons. One, okay. the Georgia thing, there was at least some element of surprise potentially there. You're like, man, are they really going to do it? I don't know. Alabama, we're down a couple scores. It's the beginning of the third quarter. It's the first drive. We're driving down. we got to have points. And so we everybody knows that our kicker's terrible. We've already missed an extra point. And so... Uh, it's going to be a 40-plus yard field goal. Uh, not the greatest in the world. And so most people are thinking, if they're going to line up for a field goal, it's probably going to be a fake. The second thing is that, obviously, Clemson thought it was going to be a fake. <laughs> they only had four down linemen like on the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. The rest of the team was lined up where the first down marker is. That defense mm-hmm. is set up to where it is impossible. It is impossible to get a first down in that situation. The third thing is, not only is it impossible probably in any situation to do that, but it's especially impossible when you have your kicker as the lead blocker for your third-string quarterback running the football against that defense. The kicker is not going to block anybody 
unless Nick Saban's just trying to get him hurt so he can pull him out of the game, he's going to get demolished by some huge defensive guy. Your third-string quarterback is then likely going to get hurt, which it looked like he almost did the way his leg folded when he got tackled. It, they're just going to get crushed. They're not going to break tackles. They're not going to block anybody. They're not going to lunge forward for more yards. He, they're going to get destroyed, and that's what he did. He lost two yards. The, the Georgia punt, I mean, it, it's still, don't get me wrong, it's a dumb decision, but at least you snapped the ball to Justin Fields, who was a five-star quarterback, dual-threat quarterback who could run the ball and maybe make some moves or something. Yeah. But you had your kicker as your lead blocker with your third-string quarterback running the football into a defense that was set up to where there was no way that that was going to work in a game where you had to have points. So, I mean, Georgia could have just punted the ball and been fine, but there are other things that, that could have happened. I mean, we could have returned it. Jalen Waddle's pretty good. There's a ton of things that could have happened. You don't know what's going to happen there. They did give us good field position. But this was just like handing Clemson the ball. Why do you not put your offense out there? And if they stop us, they stop us. But put your offense out there and run a play that you, you're you like, you know what, this can get six yards. This is going to get us six yards. Um, but instead, they put out a unit that there's just no way in the world that this was going to work. Absolutely impossible. National championship game. I, 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 it's, the, it's the dumbest decision that I've ever seen a coach make. Not, I, I'll be not, honest. Not, not to call a fake field goal, but to go uh-huh. through with it with what you have called. If you have sure. Mac Jones, here's the thing. You have Mac Jones in that whole thing, great. He's not a runner, and your kicker isn't a blocker. Uh, here's what you do. You let Mac Jones have the ball if you really want to fake it and roll him out and let him throw a pass to somebody. At least then, maybe it's intercepted and you get the tackle that. Maybe you complete it. Maybe you don't. But at least you're moving toward the strength of the guy who has the football in his hands. So uh, it's it was absurd. I, you saw Mac Jones, who's <laughs> our third string quarterback, who was the holder. Before he snaps the ball, he's like looking at the sideline a couple times to be like, "Are you sure you guys want to do this?" <laughs> Because this looks real dumb, and I think I'm about to die. And they were like, yeah, yeah, Matt, go for it. He was like, well, are you sure you want to do this? They are like, yeah. And they snapped the ball. I mean, it's totally absurd. There's no way it could have worked. I, I told you. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, actually. It does, in retrospect, make more sense to just to leave the offense out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I was fine with that play at the time because – you know, as all Alabama fans know, we were never going to make a 40-yard field goal. But well, um, not only Alabama fans, it's the story of Alabama football. What's our one weakness? <laughs> we can't kick the football. Everybody in the world knows that. You could ask somebody in the remotest part of the world, and they'd be like, have you heard about Alabama football? Like, yeah, I know two things. There's Nick Saban, and they can't make field goals. I mean, yeah. that, that's what everybody knows. But he, here's what makes it even crazier to me. After the game, Saban said, we thought we had a really good fake called, and they were in the defense we wanted them to be in. What? Our, yeah, our guy just didn't block him. The and kicker. I, yeah. No, he didn't say the kicker. He said our guy. And I'm like. Who was the kicker? Yeah. I'm like, Nick, are you being Well, to be fair, right the now? kicker is the most expendable part of our team. No offense, kickers. But he's never blocked anybody in his <laughs> life. In his life. <laughs> Like, what What in the world? Our guy just didn't block him. We thought he had a really good call, and Clemson was in what we wanted him to be in. Nick, yeah. after the game, just say 
that was the dumbest call I've ever made in my life. And not because it just didn't work and therefore it's a bad call, which is what he went on to say. No, no, no. It's a bad call from the outset. You see them in that, you call a timeout, you put your offense back on the field, and you run a play that thinks that you think can get them that can get you six yards. You don't do that. And so that I mean, even the response from Saban is like, you still don't realize that that was just the most idiotic move that you could have made at that point in time in the game. I, and so to me, it is it's worse than the Georgia. I, the Georgia thing was bad. It was it, it was a gift. It was wonderful, but this I, I think was I think was worse. But then, right. but then you can go to other stuff, Jason. The, I, there is a whole lot uh, ter- of terrible of things. In terms of coaching. All right. We have first and goal from the one. right? And I, and I asked you this before we got on. Mm-hmm. We ran Damian Harris to the left a couple times. He got stopped. <laughs> we ran Tua straight to the sideline, which was genius, to the short side of the field. But there, I asked you, what's the one play all season or in this game that, is, that you just can't stop it for one yard or less? Josh Jacobs in the Wildcat. He wasn't on the field. Even if you think, okay, let's put Josh Jacobs in the Wildcat and we'll run it, and if he doesn't get it, maybe we'll run it again and we'll run a jet sweep, and instead of running it, he'll hand it off to somebody. Something. But that's the thing. I mean, that's the play that we used all game, and we did it successfully. And when we need it for a touchdown, we don't run it for four straight plays. It was like, guys, what, what do we do? It's just that sort of thing that it's not just the preparation. It's not just the fake field goal. It's those sort of play calling things throughout the game. That was like, you know what? I think this would be the most successful thing for us. Let's do the opposite of that. It was wild. Mm-hmm. So, I, do, I mean, since we're on the subject of Alabama's weaknesses, which were myriad, I suppose, um, we do have to say that, you know, I guess the stats – on the whole for quarterback play and Tua didn't look terrible. He was 22 for 34, uh, just under 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he threw two interceptions, one of them on Alabama's first drive of the game, which was a pick six. Terrible call. Uh, He was throwing into uh, coverage. I I think the the guy he was throwing to had at least two guys on him, if not three. Um, which two has been able to do successfully in, in games in the past, but nobody told him not to do this against Clemson, who, you know, intercepted it and ran it back for six points. He, he threw another touchdown a short time later, I think still before the half, um, which didn't yield immediate points, but it, it did get them uh, another touchdown. Uh, so Tua had not a great game. I think he was only, what, what was he, four or five interceptions in the season, and he threw two in this game? Um, yeah, so, I mean, Tua, Tua didn't have a great game. He didn't have a terrible game. That, But the pick six was sort of his fault. It was sort of play calling as well. The first three plays were all passes just like that one. And so on the third one, um, the corner's like, I guess this is what they're doing. And so he just jumped the route. He's like, okay, same setup. He's looking this way. I'm just going to see if he's going to throw it. And so I'll just go ahead and start running that way. And he, he guessed right, but it was like... Eh, and threw it right to him. We're just running the, the same place for the first three plays. It was so strange. I think maybe the next play, they were, maybe they would call something over the top. You know, fake the thing and then go over the top. They just did it one too many times. I think that's play calling. But it's also an excellent play by the Clemson defender. And I'm going to get to the excellent play of Clemson. Yeah, we so just, that, we just got to vent yeah. about Alabama for a second. But the, 
the other the other interception was uh, I think Brent Venables and Clemson. Brent Venables being the defensive coordinator for Clemson, he he outcoached the offensive side of the ball as well, and it completely confused Tua with the coverage. And so Tua thinks he's throwing basically a lot like that Georgia national championship game where he's got two deep safeties. He kind of looks them off, and then he turns, and he throws to Devontae Smith for the touchdown, the winning touchdown. Well, here, he thinks he's got it open, but there's a there's a guy that ends up going with the receiver. He doesn't think he's going to go. He thinks he's going to tail off the receiver. There's going to be a little gap there. And so you see, Tua, Tua sees this. He, he thinks he's looked off the safety, that there's going to be room, because the guy who intercepts the ball is not a safety. He's a corner. But he throws it, and when he throws it, Tua raises his starts to raise his hand as if as if it's a touchdown, and he doesn't realize that that guy is back there waiting for that pass, um, and it's and, and and the guy intercepts it, and it looks like he overthrows Jerry Judy by about five or six yards, and mm-hmm. here's why: Jerry Judy was like, "I'm triple covered." <laughs> right. There's no way Tua is going to try to throw the ball to me. I've done my job. I. I've been the decoy. Certainly, if there's three guys on me, there's somebody else who's open. And so then you see Jerry Judy turns around, and, oh, there's the ball. I guess I should try to run and go get that, except there's three guys on me. So uh, that that was a Clemson defense, bad decision by Tua, great play by, great scheme by the defense. The first interception was uh, just, I think, bad play calling, plus an excellent play by the Clemson corner. But... Anyway, Bama played horribly. The ones, the one surprising positive to me in the game was that Alabama was able to run the football almost at will against that defense, which was very, very surprising. I, okay, and, yeah, and, that's and, what I was going to ask you. What, what were the strengths that Alabama yeah, had I, I mean, since I, we talked about the weaknesses? So I, I, I thought the one thing that was like, wow, this, I think they're doing a really good job, both in the run game and in pass protection. I thought the offensive line held up really well against their defensive line. Um, the way that we were able to run the ball, especially, was really surprising. Tua had a little bit of pressure during the game. I, that's to be expected, but he also had a lot of time to throw back there. I mean, think about the throw to Jerry Judy. He has time to look at one half of the field, go through the, then turn back, and without pressure, cleanly release the ball um, down the field to Jerry Judy, and it gets picked. But he had a clean pocket there, and he had a clean pocket a lot. He had time to throw. Um, and so it was, I thought the offensive line and our running backs did a really good job. Uh, Josh Jacobs looked great. I mean, Damian Harris had great runs. Najee Harris had great runs. You put any of those guys in there, and they were running. At time, there, there was one drive. We had three runs back-to-back-to-back to back to back of at least 10 yards, 10, 11, 15. And that was just really surprising to me. But that means that our offensive line was really blocking well. I thought, too, had a clean pocket for most of the game, only a couple sacks. Uh, one of those uh, was, was Jalen took more toward the end of the game. Um, and so I think that's the positive. Um, mm. But, yeah, so uh, and uh, the running back play in general, uh, Josh Jacobs, I mean, he had a – there was a pass that he caught. That was a phenomenal catch. He had a great game again. So um, there were some positive. I mean, the offense moved the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially we, in we, that first yeah, quarter. Yeah, over, what, 244 yards or something? In the mm-hmm. first quarter, uh, and then, like you said, Clemson adjusted and we didn't. But um, there were some positive things on offense. I, I don't really know that there was anything positive on defense. Uh, All right, so so now let's talk a little bit about Clemson. Uh, so before, before 
before we talk about what Clemson did well, did you notice any weaknesses on Clemson's side? Is Are there weaknesses that they had that we didn't exploit? You know, I mean, I think coming into the game, I thought, and most other people thought, that Clemson's secondary would be a weakness. They were a strength. Uh, they, not only did they have the picks, but they had... Uh, they batted away a lot of balls. Uh, our guys were covered for the most part, except for the deep ball to Jerry Judy. Our guys, two had to put it in, in tight windows. Our guys had to make tough catches. Um, they were solid and pretty solid in the run game. I think for the most part, we, we shut down their run game at the beginning. So, and that was a positive uh, for the defense, maybe. Uh, they still ended up with a ton of yards rushing, but... You know, I, I don't think so. I mean, I said last time, you know, I thought it would be a game about the the line. Can our defense get pressure? Can not? Their offensive line, which I thought we could get some pressure on them through that offensive line. You want to talk about a clean pocket? I mean, my goodness. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence had time to stand back there. And, like, a lot of times I would look at him and that's a perfectly foreign pocket. That's exactly what you want as a quarterback. And I said last week, if, if they do that, Trevor Lawrence will pick us apart, and that's exactly what happened. And so um, other than slowing down the running game a little bit for most of the game, uh, there's not a whole lot of weaknesses you can point out about what Clemson did, either the players on the field uh, or the coaching. Uh, it was all it was all solid all the way around. I think they played almost a flawless game. They only had one penalty the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't you look at that game and it looks like Clemson doesn't have any weaknesses. Um, you look at that game; it seems like Alabama doesn't have any strengths either. But uh, man, they played it. They played an excellent game. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So we talked about Tua. Trevor Lawrence on on Clemson uh, was 20 for 32, passing for 347 yards, which is uh, 10.8 yards uh, per completion. He threw for three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, other highlights from Clemson were was Travis. Uh, ETN, uh, 86 yards on 14 carries and two touchdowns. Uh, Justin Ross, also just kind of a beast, uh, had an amazing one-handed uh, catch uh, while Trevor Lawrence was getting tackled. Um, he had six receptions for 153 yards and one touchdown. Um, it's just... And then Travis ETN also had a, a receiving touchdown. Um so everybody got a little piece of the action there. They definitely spread the ball out more than we were able to. Um, for our, all our success uh, running the ball, we only had uh, three players c- who could actually move it. So uh, we we tried to hand the ball off to six different people. We had Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua uh, attempt uh some runs, but they all ended up with with negative yards on carries. Uh, Najee Harris, Damian Harris, and Josh Jacobs, on the other hand, uh, did have some positive yardage. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought know. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a had a great game, and he may be the all road player that everybody thinks he is. He didn't have to be in this game. Uh, he made some exceptional throws. Maybe it was our last touchdown. Uh, he, had, he had an insane throw kind of over the top of Mac Wilson, fitting it right into his his big receiver in the middle of the end zone, kind of throwing it up, only where his guy could get it, and he went up and got it. But um, 
a lot of times who's thrown to wide open guys behind the defense or you know our cornerback falls down and guys wide open then he runs for a 70 yard touchdown or whatever it is um but he showed amazing composure for a freshman the, the lights didn't seem too big for him he's a big guy presence in the pocket he's strong uh, it's hard to bring down. Uh, toward the end, he you know, had these little runs where he'd get four or five yards to continue drives, milk the last ten minutes off the clock at the end of the game, which is insane. Um, but the combination of him and those wide receivers, I mean, Justin Ross just made some catches that were that were unreal. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a guy who went to high school in Alabama and chose Clemson over Alabama. And uh, he had a field day. Uh, like you said, I mean, the one-handed catch, he had a couple of those along the sidelines. Um, and Trevor Lawrence can just throw it up to that guy. So you got a guy, like, a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence with the arm that he has, with the strength that he has, with the composure that he has. Um, and then you combine that with the receivers like Justin Ross. And if you're not playing good defense and you're confused, you're going to get exposed. And Wait, and, and now exactly Travis uh, or Trevor Lawrence is a freshman. Justin, Justin Ross, Ross is a true freshman. Yeah. Is also a freshman. Yep. So, okay. So, all right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they should be ranked number one next year, coming into the season, and most likely march their way to a, to the championship game. So, it's a, you know, round five just depends on can Alabama regroup. Yeah. All right, so I I kind of have exhausted myself just reviewing this game. Um, also, I mean, let me say one more thing. Sorry. Sure. Uh, on the coaching side of things, Dabo did an excellent job. Dabo and his staff were prepared. They coached their their guys up to where they were ready for this game, physically, intellectually, mentally, emotionally, all that stuff. Just an incredible job by the Clemson program and. They are they're really thinking about surpassing Alabama as the premier program in the country. Uh, they're right there neck and neck now. And, you know, we'll see from here. Can Alabama come back and, and make a statement next year or will Clemson just continue to ascend? And so there's a pivotal moment, you know, right now. I mean, it's been a dynasty from Alabama, and now it's uh, there's a challenger uh, who's been successful, and we'll see where it goes in the future. But... Um, what Dabo's done over the past 10 years is nothing short of incredible at Clemson. So kudos to him, his staff, the players. Uh, they absolutely deserve to win that game. They deserve the championship. So uh, I do want to complain about Alabama's side of the football a lot, but also got to give uh, Clemson, Dabo, and that, that whole staff their due. 100%. Uh, so since Nick Saban did get out coached, we do have to. Uh, play our game should Nick Saban be fired <laughs> I mean I can't even jokingly say yes <laughs> um, no I mean uh, he should not be fired that would be a complete and utter disaster unless we were certain that Debo would come and coach Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> is that right yeah. um, okay um, alright so uh, th- that's actually our season I want to thank everyone for listening um, and wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we talked last year about recording in the off season, but then we never actually did it. Uh, we might this year, so keep subscribed to our feed. It will be a fun surprise when we drop an episode. Um, but I guess that's it. Mark, any final notes on the season? 
I mean, overall, I mean, I think the last thing that I would say as a as an Alabama fan, fourteen and one seasons, not the worst that there's ever been. Yeah, um, and I think one thing that I think is, uh, it can be tough, especially maybe for a newer fan, is that you got to have perspective on this thing, man. It's really hard to find a ton to complain about on the big picture uh, for Alabama when you think about sure. where we've been in the past. Uh, like the early 2000s and all that stuff. And then w- the run that we've had is one of the greatest in college football history. And so, yeah, we got embarrassed in a national title game. We still won 5 out of 10. And that's not to excuse the loss. It's to say, let's just have a little bit of perspective on where we are. And we're set up well for next year. It, it's not a, you know, this loss could end up being the flash in the pan rather than kind of the dominant storyline. And so there's perspective to be had for an Alabama fan. Again, not to excuse a loss or say it's not real or something like that, but to say, where does this loss fit in? Well, it fits in with 55-4 uh, and four and two national championships for this senior class that's graduating. It fits in with five out of ten national championships over the past ten years. Um, and some of the, with the greatest coach of all time, mm-hmm. a ton of first-round draft picks, number one in recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's an incredible run. Uh, and so you just got to tip your hat to Clemson and, and move on to next year. Yeah, and also remember that um, of teams in the state of Alabama to play in big games, UAB is the only one to win them. Um, so this year. I guess you're not considering uh, what was it, the Music City Bowl. It's a big, big game. Never heard of it. <laughs> That's terrible. That was fantastic. We somehow finished with a pot shot at Auburn. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess it's time to pack up the podcasting equipment, uh, box it all up. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hop Mark, in the, I open the box. I hope you're feeling limber. Go ahead, uh, climb on in. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah. Right. Thanks to our listeners, Jason. Thanks for doing all the work you do every week. It's been fun. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to do something in the off season just to get this bad taste out of our mouth. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you and I are going to process. Every single bit of the Tim Tebow wedding planning. <laughs> Come on, Tim. Come through for us, buddy. <laughs> He'll be on the show to discuss his thoughts uh, on on colors, uh, color scheme. I really hope he doesn't go with orange and blue, oh, but sweet mercy. he very well might. Flowers. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's our show for this year. Uh, we'll catch you all in a mystery time uh, and if not then then in the fall and peace out